the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How's your relationship with God? Do you find yourself struggling at times, trying to keep up with the Joneses? We have some help for you next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. So often our relationship with God tends to skew towards the duty side of life, taking a look at other Christians and trying to outdo them rather than simply enjoying God and His love for you. Enjoying God as a a relationship, as a delight. And that's the title of our series, Finding Pleasure in God. Today's message, Duty or Delight. We're in Psalm 37, verses 3 through 4. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard for today's edition of Truth For Today. It always starts with loving those who know the same Father. We turn into people lovers. Is that not amazing? I know, I I talk to quite a few Christians. I love God, I just can't stand His people. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I don't like Christians. They bug me. There's a lot of hypocrites in church. Well, where else could they play it out pretty good? There's hypocrites in everything. There's hypocrite elks, hypocrite masons, hypocrite democrats. There's a hypocrite in everything. Does that mean there's no real thing? No, no, no. But you get, you know, it's a favorite sport to pick on what's wrong with God's kids. And some folks, are just their excuse for not loving anybody, they haven't found anybody good enough to love. Nobody quite passes. Now, he said, when this love of God is gushed abroad in our heart, John says, we know we're walking in the light when we are loving the brethren, and we know we're in darkness when we don't love them. A good question. Do you love God? Do you love people? And... uh, It's an amazing thing how beat up you can get around people who say they know God. They're rude. uh, They're insensitive. They're self-centered. They're selfish. Matter of fact, they act like dirty old sheep. And sheep are wayward, blind, stubborn. But God is in the process of taking a heart that all it knows itself it's once, and it teaches you to love people. Listen to what Paul says. The love of Christ constrains me to share Christ with all men. For if one died for all, then we're all guilty. And I'm constrained, you Corinthians, to do what I do because the love of God is pushing me forward to do it. How do you love people? Well, I'll give you some ways. Romans 12 said you love them sincerely. And that means without pretense, without wearing a mask. 
Can you genuinely? God is not telling us, go out there and act like you love people when you can't stand them. I, I love you. Well, that's not what God's producing. What this love of God is, it fills the heart so that you have to do something towards them. It's not you do something and you have nothing in your heart. That's hypocrisy. Is there anything God's doing in your heart that's overflowing with wanting to do good, to show love? And how do you express love? It's got to come out some way. Words, deeds, uh, you know, some way. We all are built different. But it becomes concrete. Now, now wait, 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 wait. Do, Do we get to pick the model of how to love? Or does God set it? Are you going to tell God how to love? No, you don't know anything about it. None of us. God says, follow the lead of my son. I left you an example of how to love. And how was that, Lord Jesus? I stooped to wash the feet of failing men, of men that are going to abandon me this night. I took the role of a servant I washed their feet. Judas has already went out to betray me. And I told all 11 men, you're all going to abandon me before the night's over. And then Christ could have said, and by the way, I am abandoning you. Why didn't he? He had the kind of love that could keep loving failing people. He had the kind of love that he had already forgiven Peter before Peter failed. He predicted in Luke 22, you're going to be a washout before the night's over for Satan has requested to sift your soul and I've granted it to him, Peter, but I already plan to restore you. Do you know Christians who give these ultimatums? Well, you better never do that to me or I'll never forgive you. Who are you to hand out ultimatums? If God treated you the same way, you'd be in hell. For if there is no forgiveness, there is no heaven. And I'm amazed that us who do the most sinning have the biggest problem forgiving. Have you ever seen some folks that are the world's biggest jerks and on top of it, they forgive no one? Because they they are kind of righteous when they get in, when they can catch in something, they take the righteous stand. You know, I do things right. No, you don't. And the evidence is you find no joy in forgiveness. Did you know that forgiveness is a gift to the person who asks it? And it's always greater to give than to receive. Love. You'll love people sincerely. Peter says you'll love people earnestly and with affection. Look at First Peter there. See if I can lay my hands on it quickly. Um, Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another. And some of you would stop there. That's hard enough. Then he adds the word deeply. Deeply, what's that? From the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. He uses several verses. He uses love them earnestly. And that meant to stretch. You go out of your way to love them. Uh, 
I think it's what's special about receiving an encouragement card. In our minds, we know it took more effort than a guy that just says, I love you. When you write a card, a little bit more thought into it. You see, earnestly outstretching. I'm going to go out of my way. And then he says with family affections in Peter, that it's not just you do the deed, but you do it with an attitude. You do it with affection. You do it straining out, reaching out is the idea. A horse that's just leaning into the bids, as it were. And he says, we're just known by that. Did you know that when God saves a person, Jesus said of everything in that upper room that will identify you as my people is, a new commandment, one singular, I give you. One new commandment. Come on, Moses gave us 613. You can do better than one. I give you one. What is it? Love one another just like I've loved you. By this, no one will know that you're a Christian. By this, all men, well, but they don't know God. They won't know for loving. Yeah, that's one thing the unsaved can figure out. They can figure out when you're loving one another. They don't need to go to seminary for that. They just figure it out. Good night. Look how those folks love one another. But some believers wind up always talking about the church on the job, down in this, down in that, and wonder why people around them never want to go to the church they always trash. Who wants a God you're not uh, sold on? Who wants to go to a church that you don't love the people? Don't let the enemy's crowd hear you running down God's kids. Do you want to run down God's kids? I would have an all-day prayer meeting so you can tell them all off to God. And if you start praying for the people of God, you'll start loving them. I'm talking. Well, well you say, boy, you're on, a, you're on a bent. You're ne-. No, I've just been to church nearly 50 years. I know your species. I know what people are like. I've heard people, every church has these people that are negative about something. Because their greatest delight is not in God. And their excuse is they can always pick on what's wrong with God's people. And there's plenty to pick on, starting with you. He knows us through and through, doesn't he? But you know, the greatest way to measure your Christianity is not by what you've stopped doing, but have you become a lover of God? Have you become a lover of God? Have you become a lover of people? And are you living with this daily sense, I am loved. I am loved. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to wake up every day? The first thing you said, no matter what comes or goes today, I am being loved by God forever. He will never love me more nor less than he has already chosen to love. I will never be loved less by God no matter what I do today and I'll not be loved more. He could not love me more than what he did at the cross. You don't know any Christians, do you, that struggle with self-worth? You don't know any Christians that, you know, I need to lose 30 pounds to get my worth back. Or I got to look so, so. I got to have... I'm always working on this or that. Why don't you work on your God and say, at least, let's start there. The core of my universe is what God thinks of me. I ask you, have you ever come to that place 
where you've been overwhelmed with this fact, God has loved you in Jesus Christ. And until you start reveling in that, everything else will be a scramble to fill the void of your heart. Once you've come to see I'm loved by the God who can never abuse, I'm loved by the God who can never abandon, I'm being loved by the God that can't be fooled, he knows everything about me, then he frees me to love him back, and of course I love in teaspoons, he loves in gigantic oceans, but I get to love him back, and then he says, by the way, I want to fill your heart so that I'm going to make you love other people just like yourself, and you're going to be a conduit of my love to them. What a, what a privilege. What a privilege. Uh, I want to say this. As we uh, look at the church of Ephesus in Revelation, I'm moving without looking at all the verses because I want you to get the whole picture. I'm trying to develop a theme and not exposit a verse today. The church of Ephesus, it's an amazing thing that Ephesus, six chapters written to it in the book of Ephesians. Acts 19, the church founded. Marvelous. Ephesians, one of the great epistles of the New Testament. You want a great, you want a pastoral staff? You want a great pastoral staff? How would you like to say the Apostle John is your pastor? How would you like to say Timothy is your pastor? He's the understudy. I believe they had a pastoral staff. I think John knew how to pastor. And yet by 90 AD, maybe 95 AD, when John writes the book of Revelation, the first church that Christ tells him to say, by this, John, I want you to write to the church at Revelation and tell them this. They are doing a great job in so many areas. I like to commend them. These are the areas I like to commend them for. Well, turn there so you'll believe it. Look at Revelation 2. Revelation 2. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your, your hard work, and your perseverance. Now, this is commendation. You're hard workers. You're not bailout artists. You've persevered. Not being a, it wasn't easy being a Christian in Asia Minor in 90 AD. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. My, that's refreshing. I wish we could learn not to tolerate so much wickedness. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. That sounds like discernment to me, doesn't it? Instead of letting a false apostle just take over the church and say, I had a vision, send me your money. And I say, well, he means good. He's just a little off. No, they, they evaluate it. No, they're false. I mean, took some discernment. But they were not, and you found them false. You have persevered. My, quite frankly, I hope Christ could say this about me someday. And this church. And you've endured hardships for my name. And you've not grown weary. I'm telling you, these are no small commendations. I wish I could have all of them said of me. 
How much hard, hardness have you endured for being a Christian? Lose a job for being a Christian? Did you lose your family when you became a Christian? Did you have to get baptized at night in a tub because if your village knew it, they would kill you? I, I would say we're a non-harm church. Ours is the quiet sleep of ether going to sleep in darkness, but we're not being persecuted. But he commends him. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You see, they were doing great on what they hated, and they hated the right things. False teachers, false teachings. But in the work, in the perseverance, in the trials, whatever, in my heart, I'm sympathetic with this church. It's hard to believe they could be indicted. But one thing you've left, the best. The word first there was used in Luke 15 of bring forth the best robe. The first love is the best love. You've left off the best love. You've got away from, in the fight against error, in the fight against the wrong, uh, something in our relationship is wanting. In your weariness, in your battle, it doesn't sound like an intentional drift. I don't, I'm going to cut on that slack. I don't know. But you just fell into it and work has now replaced worship. Uh, work has replaced adoration. Uh, I've got a bride that will work for me, but not a bride that's in love with me. Not like the first. The romance has become a rut. And to talk about a Christianity where the heart is perpetually boiling in zeal and adoration of Jesus Christ. And to be thinking that he's my best love. He's my first love. I don't want to get away from it. I'm, I'm rebuked if I fall from it. He said, you left it. You fell from it. It's, what's the danger? It just shouts to us that pretty soon rivals have got our affections. We're loving the world. We're pursuing money. We're pursuing projects. We're pursuing one thing after another that in themselves could be innocent. But when it diminishes and diverts from him, he says, I take it personally. I, uh, I think of, uh, and I write in the notes for you, Jesus Christ saved you to have a love relationship, not to just create a workforce. And uh, I think sometimes the bridegroom is so busy staying in the kitchen, she has no time to get into the arms of her husband and give him a kiss. You're busy in the kitchen. But I didn't save you because I needed you to prop up omnipotence. I saved you to get in my arms in adoration and worship 
in intimacy. I didn't marry you just to have a work slave to do my dishes, to have my children. I want a relationship with you personally. My fear is always for those who are working in the church. Don't let that be a substitute for loving Christ. If it's the overflow of loving Christ, wonderful. If it's the only thing you're doing, then you're not getting to Christ. And what are the things we battle the most for? One, to be in a corporate meeting where worship is what engages our heart. Instead of being bored or saying, I hope he doesn't go long. Let's get out of here. I don't like the music. I don't like this. Oh, I, 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 is that worship? No, that's being a critiquer of everything you don't like about the saints. Private prayer. The mo- moments of just you in his presence, adoring him. You know, when I hear a great love song, if you just rewrote it, most all love songs ought to be written to God. You're my everything. I, I can't live without you. Uh, how can I get you off my mind? And when I hear the song, I say, you know what? That ought to be sung, first of all, to God. What a difference you made in my life. I can't live without you. You're always on my mind. On and on and on. And so he says to Ephesus, what's happened to you is you've lost the emotion of love. You've lost the experience of love. You've become a hard church. You've become critically right, but you've lost the tender affections of intimacy with me. You're not a safe church. You better have it all together if you go to Ephesus because they'll nail you at the door. You don't cut everything just straight. Terrible place to ever fall into sin because they'll form a stoning committee maybe before they'll ever do any restoration. I have this against you and I will remove you because the core of Christianity is Christ. The most important thing I can ask about you today is do you love Jesus Christ above everything else in this life? And if you cannot say that, there's a rival. There's a rival. And this is the pitiful. I just finished Malachi yesterday. And you know when I finished it, I I wanted to do like this. Man, I'm glad I got that over with. These minor prophets and reading, reading Jeremiah and Ezekiel. If I heard the word Israel, you're a harlot one more time. If he he describes her as a camel in heat, you'll run after any of the gods of the Babylonians, but you won't come to my arms. I mean, it's graphic. It's lewd. It's uh, vulgar, nearly. You are a harlot in heat, like an animal, but you won't come to me. You run to Babylon. You run to Egypt. And he's describing their idolatry as marital unfaithfulness. You're a woman that can't be satisfied. And I, Yahweh, am your husband. I'm going to divorce you. And he divorces her in Isaiah. And when you read these minor prophets, he's just saying, judgment, 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 judgment. And I just, after 12 books of it, I thought, my We're the bride of Christ. 
And he says, don't let yourselves be seduced, 2 Corinthians 11, 2. I, I've espoused you to Christ as a virgin bride. Now, now remain faithful. Don't, don't sleep with anybody else is what he's saying. Don't sleep with anybody. This is our true love. And this world keeps trying to get you into bed with itself, to get you out of the arms of your God. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855 833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.